Welcome to Building Worthiness. My name is Mia, or officially Dr. Mary Patricia Quinlivan, and this podcast is all about discovering how entirely worthy we are. And I will share parts of my awakening journey as an example, but it's very much a shared journey of building worthiness. And I'd love you to check out my website, which is livingawarenesswa.com. So today's episode is all about transcending judgment. And later in the podcast, I'll be playing my original podcast, which talked about the symbolism of the cross and also the benefit for me of having a teacher that was unconditionally loving. Both were actually to do with the transcendence of judgment And I just want to start by talking about the the cross symbolism and religion. Many of us, well, I certainly grew up in the Catholic faith, though I never really attached to it. I'll talk about that later. But the old style of religion often gave us the idea that somehow we were capable of sin and therefore unworthy and deserved of punishment. And Of course, that really wasn't helpful for building worthiness. And being who I am now and resting where I am now, I know that we are unconditionally loved, that there really isn't any such thing as that we have sinned and therefore are worthy of judgment and need to be punished. It's not that, you know, we don't make mistakes in this world and sometimes we can hurt people, and of course we can, and It's great to work on being a more loving being. But the thing is that there's never judgment. And I'm going to explain that in two ways. And the first is, and The Course in Miracles says this, Isaiah says this, and it's a realisation that I had actually in my 20s, which was that anything that's not a loving act is a cry for love. And that means that any time us humans hurt someone or project on someone or do something that's painful for someone. It's because of our own inner fear, inner pain, inner unworthiness. And it's because we're crying out for love. So really our hurting another only comes from our desperate feeling of separation from love, you could say. So it's always just a cry for love. Therefore, We are innocent. We are just acting from that unconscious emotion. And I know for myself, and I'm sure for all of you, if you look back on moments where you've done something that you're not happy about or that you think was a mistake, tune into the state you were in or the deep feelings you were having. And I'm sure you will recognize some sense of desperately crying out for love in some way or another. And therefore, we can learn to hold ourselves with absolute compassion. And this sense of guilt that many of us have carried and many clients I see carry, really we need to let go of it. I guess to a degree, you know, when we do something that hurts someone and we don't feel good about that, it does serve us because it does teach us, if you like, how to be more loving and how to shift away from or how to see ourselves more clearly and that we are crying out for love and that we might need to work on some issues. So in that sense, 
I guess guilt has some value, but the issue is that many of us carry it forever around old mistakes that we made years ago that we can't change. And if we recognise that it only came from a cry for love, we can hold ourselves with such compassion, we can forgive that incident. And you know what? Holding that incident with absolute forgiveness and whoever it was that we were dealing with will actually shift it. It will shift the energy. It will bring healing. So if we can love and accept ourselves in that moment and love and accept the other being, it will bring healing for all. One thing I am sure of is that spirit is divine love, that it is unconditionally loving, that we are never going to be judged for anything that we have done. It may be a learning opportunity for us, but there will never be judgment. And another aspect of that, and this is something The Course in Miracles talks about, and it's sort of the same thing but at a deeper level, and it's to do with that this living experience is like a dream. It's a projection. And so a little bit like a dream in bed at night, if you dreamt that you did something awful to someone and you woke up and you said, oh, thank goodness I didn't do that, it was just a dream, Well, it's exactly like that. The truth of what we really are is this continuous, loving, divine spirit. And this lived experience is a perceptive experience. It's more like a dreaming. And so anything that we really do here, although it is an opportunity to learn, we are never going to be judged. We are entirely innocent. That divine essence that we are doesn't even flinch at what happens in this world. So all of us are entirely innocent, entirely worthy, welcomed by God, never having left God. So that old concept that we are unworthy and have sinned is something we can definitely let go of. And you'll hear a bit more later about the symbolism of the cross. And I also talked in this podcast about the benefit for me of having a teacher and a teacher that was resting in God, unconditionally loving. And that was very much because as we go on in this journey, in fact, from the very beginning, we have self-doubt, self-judgment. And the more we approach love, well, certainly for me and I suspect for everyone, a lot of fear and resistance and unworthiness comes up. So one of the main benefits of having a guide who was resting in that unconditionally loving space, it meant that whenever I was freaking out in my head and judging myself or thinking I wasn't okay because of what was coming up, there was just this continuous, no, you're still lovable, you're still lovable, you're still lovable (laughs) coming at me from Auntie Jinta or Asira because that's where she rests, which was, of course, immensely beneficial for healing my sense of unworthiness. And I do want to make it really clear here, I mentioned a few times later in the podcast that, you know, Isaira had that sort of unflappable, unconditional love when I'm around her for me. But I do want to clearly let you know that she's like that with everyone. (laughs) There was nothing special or different about it to do with me. It's just she is an unconditionally loving being toward every human she comes in contact with. In fact, every creature, nature, everything. She rests in that unconditional love. And really that was replicating what spirit is, what God is. So there is great benefit for everyone to 
as much as you can be in the presence of someone who holds deep presence because that will help you build your own sense of self-acceptance, self-love and build worthiness. So I'll hand you over to the original recording now. So in mid-year in 2018, Isaira had another retreat, which was beautiful for me because after the March retreat where I'd first really awakened into the light, I think I described last time it was beautiful for a few months, but then the ego starts to creep back in and wants to claw you back. And I was managing to maintain the ability to be able to rest in the light, but it was certainly, mm, what do I say, a struggle. The, the ego was very much there as well. And so it was beautiful to be able to come and plug myself into God again. As that's what it feels like when I'm with Isaira. One of the things Isaira talked about at the retreat was the symbolism of the cross. She talked about how the long arm represents that when we are deeply centered in presence, resting in the truth of who we are, so we're not embedded in this illusion or dream that we feel is, is truth, then we're not going to experience the suffering that being embedded in this dream creates because we're resting in love, innocent. When we're, the, the short arm of the cross more represents when we are living in our egoic identity and we're caught in past and future and there isn't that sinking into the presence, the truth of what we are, so that this illusory world becomes total and everything that happens here is mm, totally believed and absorbed and frightening, really. So we are suffering, of course. One thing that I've certainly noticed is that the world becomes lighter. It's like it matters much less what happens in the world because there's this deeper sense of this everlasting love that always is. So Isaira had described that symbolism and it really appealed to me. I, I grew up in the Catholic Church as a young person and though I think as a young child I did have a sense of spirituality and a sense of Jesus and Mary, I never really related to the Catholic Church. It never felt like that essence of unconditional love that I think my spirit was telling me was more true. So I left, the, I stopped going to the Catholic Church probably in my mid-teenage years and never really returned to spirituality until I read Eckhart Tolle's book. But I had always had an affection for Jesus and so to hear Isaira talk about that was beautiful for me. And later that day we had a meditation and it was a relatively silent meditation and I just seemed to enter into this space which was absolutely beautiful and I had a real experience then of Jesus as light, just completely resting in light, and Mary Magdalene also resting as light within light, and therefore 
not suffering on the cross so that the message of the cross wasn't one of suffering for sins, which we may have been taught, but rather one of transcendence, that as we learn to sit in what really is truth, we won't suffer. And there's another beautiful addition to that, which I think I mentioned earlier in these podcasts, and that was You know, I'd spent some time in my childhood watching loved ones suffer and I had found it very painful and I still do, of course, find it painful to see others suffer as I know all of you do as well. And so this, in that meditation too, I felt Mary, Jesus' mother, as light, as the truth of what she was, just resting in that. And that she knew that Jesus was also in that space. So, you know, what we would have thought would have been absolute suffering, watching her much beloved son struggle, was in fact divine transcendence, you know, awareness of this is really the truth of what we are. And since that time, I've learned to just, with those that I want to, or that I feel perhaps a little sad about, just to hold them as love, as the truth of what they are. And I know that that is not only good for me, so that I mm, don't suffer through their suffering, but it's also good for them. It's bringing all of us closer to recognizing what we are as truth. So then after that retreat mid-year, I came home again and just had to continue working on resting into the light. And it's very hard to describe, but it's like I could enter that space, that beautiful space of knowing what I truly was. But at the same time as being in that space, there was still tension in the body as though the other part of me the egoic part of me was sort of desperate to get out of there obviously still some sense that you know I am not enough I could be rejected that somehow I was not okay and I want to talk about here the benefits of having a teacher or or for me the benefit of having Isaira and That is that, you know, there were moments where I really wondered why she still loved me, quite honestly, even though I knew she loves everyone. Because I'd thrown everything at her, you know, really, literally. I'd, um, as I described last time, you know, there'd been some pretty full-on thoughts going through my head towards Isaira, and I I know she knew that that was the case, and you know, there were many moments of resistance and there were even moments when I was really struggling with the journey where I just felt like punching her and she always encourages, in fact, just letting everything out and I know she didn't care. I mean, I was only punching the air anyway. I wasn't really with her. So, (laughs) but she encourages, I have mentioned this too, but it's such an important thing. It's called the Shakti Shake and it's where you know, us humans, we store emotional tension a lot. We've all been taught as young people that our negative emotion 
which isn't really negative, but our challenging emotion, you could say, our anger, our fear, our jealousy, is not okay and that we need to suppress it and keep it in and it stays trapped inside as this energy which can then come up when we're dealing with other humans in the world. So Asira teaches, and I know many others teach too, this thing that she calls the Shakti Shake, and I'll just briefly describe. It's where you do some deep breathing in through the nose, out through the mouth, really get the breathing going. And as you're doing that, you start to really shake the body as well, just starting to release all the energy and all the tension. And then after a while, if it feels, if you feel like it, you can then, you know, scream or cry or growl or laugh or whatever comes. And I've just found that just so important in this process for me of dealing with my own egoic resistance. And so I knew it was okay if I was feeling like punching the pillows or even if it was I was feeling like punching Osira. I knew it was okay. It was just part of me releasing that resistance and she was kind of representing the the person, I suppose, that was helping my ego be undone and therefore my ego wasn't enjoying her at times. So, And I really, you know, with clients that I've seen, I think I've talked about this too, that I think I said that with social anxiety or any anxiety, it's really important because so often we feel we have to be perfect in the world and what we judge is that we're not this perfect being that we think we should be and we really struggle with our fear or our anger or our pain. or And so it's such a release and such a beautiful thing to do to just recognize that we can release tension. We don't have to think about it or analyze it. Just let it go. And it has certainly taught me to be more at peace with my own emotion. I believe it to be important in all mental illness, by the way, in depression as well, because it's the same thing. There's this sense of self-dislike you know that who we are is not enough or not okay and the shakti shake certainly helps to start to relieve that but i know i've gone off the subject a bit i was talking about the importance of having one teacher and so what that's done for me is to know that i can be this being that's so imperfect and has all this resistance to the journey and these challenging emotions and still be loved by Osira and still feel emotional when I think about that, you know, the degree of unconditional love she's had for me. And I guess it's having a teacher that is in that space that can hold you the way God holds us Because the truth of what we are is this beautiful, gentle, loving essence of light and completely unaffected by whatever goes on in this dream world. And so when you have a teacher or a therapist or someone that can sit in that, even if they're not sitting in it perfectly and they can hold you with that love and let you know that you are okay as you are. I I know the Pleiadians say perfectly imperfect and I think it's such a beautiful saying. I've gone on off topic there but they'll come into the story later on. So maintaining that one teacher and of course you do have to find someone that you feel comfortable with and that you know that resonates with you as a loving being 
But being with her has been so beautiful for me. It's been such a big part of my healing, knowing that I'm loved no matter what I do. And another aspect of that which started to happen um, during this time, and I'll explain it a bit first, the way I used to manage to access the light in my meditations was to put myself back in that space with Isaira and feel her as the light and her holding all of us as light and that and feel her within me and all around me as light and that was beautiful and was often the way I could be able to sit in that space in my meditations but sometimes if I'd wasn't happy with myself perhaps I'd I don't know been a bit grumpy with my husband or the kids or my resistance was coming up sometimes if there was some self-judgment going on in me I would struggle to accept that another human like Osira could could still love me and around this time I had a beautiful dream and a mother whale spirit came into the dream. In the dream, I got to make a choice between swimming towards this fish that was really brightly coloured and looked pretty and, and exciting, or swimming towards this much more, I guess, normal and almost looking drab in a way, but I knew it wasn't the case, mother whale. And in the dream, I chose the mother whale, and when I woke up, I recognised that that had been, the bright fish had been the ego wanting to tempt me towards what looked exciting and pretty, and the mother whale, which didn't look very exciting at all, in fact, I started to feel her, and she started to come to me regularly after that as this essence of light floating in light, just resting in God and I could just imagine her being with me so that I could rest in the light with her being held in light as light and so when I was in those spaces where I didn't think I was good enough for to rest with Isaira as light the mother whale became an option for me and I know it sounds funny but I I know that that was perfect for me at the time to recognize that there are beings, not just other humans or spirits or that are resting in God and nature is part of that, that can guide us, support us, let us know how loved we are, let us know that we are this essence of love no matter what we've done. I'm probably painting a picture to you of just how tenacious the ego can be, how much it wants to hang on to this mm, illusory world. And, you know, I didn't realize before I started to awaken how core was that sense in all of us of guilt or not enoughness. And The Course in Miracles, I think I've said before, describes that we do have this core sense that we separated from God, which in fact we never have. And therefore we have this immense guilt or sense of that we are not okay and going to be punished. And it's only been since 
starting this awakening journey that I've realized how immense that is. And so the presence of these beautiful companions has been such a blessing for me to continue to remind me and all of you how lovable, how loved, how much we are love. And you know that love is there no matter how many mistakes, how many failures, no matter what we've done. And I have made plenty of mistakes along the way. You know, even as I started to awaken and probably a little earlier in the journey, I thought that it was so beautiful for me. You know, I thought that I could happily give advice to friends, for instance, who may be struggling and Of course, that was totally my ego and got me in lots of trouble because the truth is people don't really want our advice most of the time and and there are some that are asking for it and, and come to us for that and that's okay, of course, but as a general rule to be wanting to share your advice with others, which I certainly did, was very much my ego. It was very much me thinking, you know, that I knew a way that we would be positive for them when in fact of course the way that was most wholesome for them was exactly what they are already doing and that's the thing you know when we give advice we make people feel like who they are is not okay and that's not healing them so the greatest thing we can do is accept them as they are and that doesn't mean of course that if we're being treated in a way that's not wholesome that we can't set clear boundaries of course we can but always with that deep acceptance of who that human is. So I had to learn, of course, to let my friends and family be exactly who they were and love them as that. So that's enough for today and thank you for listening and I'd love you to share this podcast with friends or family and please check me out on my website, livingawarenesswa.com and my Facebook and Instagram pages, livingawarenesswa. And I also recommend Isaira and her website is isaira.com. Much love to you all.